0: You can be seated, God bless you. If you're taking notes, I'm teaching on the miracle of good works. Uh, We're created uh, on purpose, for God's purposes. Paul the apostle always was striving to lay hold of that for which he was laid hold of in Christ. I'll tell you, you look in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, you see your origin, you see your identity, you see your purpose and you see your destiny. You don't really see that as concentrated and clarified in any other belief system. But when you see that there's a creator who created us in His image for His purposes, told us to be fruitful and multiply, we're really onto something. It, it settles our origin. It settles who created us and the why of it. For His good pleasure we're created. and. Um, Our destiny is eternity with Him, we're eternal. And uh, it's fascinating, whenever I see a little baby that has a natural birth, incidentally they're spiritual and they're eternal. And it's fascinating to me that we're gonna spend eternity together. I love it, I love the idea. We're not going out into an eternal oblivion. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He, by the way, is the resurrection and the life. He said when you believe in Him, As the scripture said even when you die you live hallelujah so i have some uh uh, some scriptures for you that i want to bring to you and um so i'm going to start out with first of all a definition for work a definition for work is it's a noun it's an activity involving and i wrote this down i added spiritual to this from the dictionary but this is for this message right now Active, uh, it's an activity involving spiritual, mental, and physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or a result. Activity involving spiritual, mental, physical ac- effort done in order to achieve a purpose or a result. Now, I, in my life, I've, I've confused activity with achievement, but I want to preach tonight to try to inspire you. That to have your activities being enriched with this revelation that God actually designed you for his purposes. And that we know the famous verse in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. So let's go to that one as a starter. Ephesians 2.10. All of chapter 2 talks about redemption. we're, we're, We're saved by grace through faith. And we formerly walked one way and now we're changed. We put certain things off and we take things on and we press on with God and grow up in him. But in chapter two, verse 10, in the New American Standard Bible, it says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Now, James talks about works, uh, faith and works. And, 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 And Paul the apostle and James didn't have conflict. Uh, Martin Luther, the, Re- the, the Reformation um, got head of now what is now the Lutheran Church, he called the book of James the epistle of straw. He didn't really like uh, what he read out of the book of James, but actually they, they are not in conflict. Faith without works is dead, um, but we're not saved by our works. So, so Martin Luther was concerned about the church that he, that he was Uh, having to bring reform to that was working with good works would try to get us saved and and there was was some serious uh, drifting from the orthodoxy of the faith and the Bible so that had to be adjusted. But let me just tell you, you're not saved by good works but you're saved unto and for good works. Can I just tell you, God's called you out of darkness to show forth his marvelous light. And it says in... uh, In john chapter 14 verse 12 truly truly i say to you he who believes in me the works that i do he will do also and greater works than these he will do because i go to the father that suggests that he's going to send the holy spirit which we know from other scriptures he's implying this once the holy spirit comes on people is going to activate and enable supernaturally people and call us to be involved in divine activity and it's gonna seize our thinking and it's gonna facilitate strength in our bodies and cause our efforts to matter. It's gonna translate into eternal impact and it will be done in order to achieve a purpose or a result. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he would destroy the work of the evil one, Jesus being the firstborn of many brethren. As he is, so are we in this world. And it says in Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Whatever you do, whatever you, whatever you do. And in fact, in, in Ecclesiastes 9:10 it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. God has called us to be diligent. The hand of the diligent will rule. Uh, God's called us to be co-laborers with him. And, and, and be workers in the harvest field. There's even a, in the definitions, I, I looked up the word ergonomics because the Greek word for work is, is ergon, and that's the root word for ergonomics. It's a branch of engineering science in which bi- biology, biological science is used to study the relation between workers and their environment. Ergonomics is the relation between workers and their environment. So I would add, for believers, uh, identifying their God-ordained purpose and working it out, uh, God has called us in, in this world, not just to take up space, not just to make sure our, you know, we get a plenty of leisure time, but there comes an hour, the Bible says, when no man can work. We must work, it says in John 9, 4, uh, we must work the works of him who sent me. He said, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day, night is coming when no one can work. So there's, a, there's an hour when no man can work. Uh, I have a friend, John Shepard. Uh, his, his child went to the same school as, uh, who's the actor that just passed? Uh, Ray Liotta. And he's been witnessing to him, you know. And though he goes to work in the Dominican Republic to do a movie, goes to bed, doesn't wake up, only in his 60s. So, uh, tragedy. And uh, it, it, it underscores not morbidity, but just the brevity of life. And so, the necessity to seize the day and seize the time, make the most of our time because the days are evil, and um, to carry the, the lamp and the light of the gospel and keep our lamps like the blues song, trimmed and burning, and not be foolish, uh, but always abounding and understanding uh, what is pleasing to the Lord. So God does not advocate workaholism. He doesn't call us to burnout. He doesn't call us to some type of, of, of crazy, imbalanced, overboard, sacrificial life where we wear ourselves out burn ourselves up Um, you know you you, I've heard people burn the candle at both ends I've put my candle in the microwave and just melted it all the way through so um, I'm not advocating uh, hyperactivity but I'm also uh, on a campaign against lethargy Proverbs says the complacency of fools will destroy them and um, you know Jesus said the zeal of your house has consumed me Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. Paul said, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. So there is a fire, not a bunch of human uh, fanaticism, uh, just, you know, but, but real zeal, fervency, fervency of spirit. We're to be fervent in spirit, and we're to be zealous for good works. And um, so how many of you are signed up for it? Isaiah, he said, here am I, Lord, send me, speak through me, use me. David, I'm, you know, God, I, you know, make me your minstrel, make, make, I, I'm your servant, I'm your servant. And uh, he yielded, and as he yielded, uh, good fruit occurred, good things happened. This is really where the action is. So I've already ripped through my, my scriptures so fast but I'm doing really good Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 you don't know that I'm doing good but I I I know I am Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 and 13. This is an interesting work related verse this is a work related verse you know you've heard of work related injury and you've heard of you know work related conflict well this is a good work related verse all right it says in Philippians 2 12 so then my beloved just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only. This is Paul talking to the Philippian Christians. But now much more in my absence. So see, these guys are working it and doing it under the Lord, whether he's there or not. They're not just performing, oh, here comes Paul, let's show him how diligent we are. They were really going at it from the core. They had a, they had a work ethic down in their spirit. But now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, work out for it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure stop this verse says work out what God's working in you so the emphasis here at this church is to focus on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith to be if be consumed with the redemptive work of Jesus why the Father sent him, why he sent the Holy Spirit upon all flesh, and to really delve into the why of this and understand the richness of the wisdom and the knowledge of God and the, the amazing results of redemption. Like when we're singing songs like, you broke the heavy chains off my life and, they, you know, they, and left Him in the empty grave. And it's like, we sing that, but I mean, somebody theologically worked that out and they're working out their salvation with fear and trembling because they're acknowledging, and I love worship songs that acknowledge what Jesus has done. I don't like singing songs where we're longingly looking for something that he's actually already given us, that we're acting like by our song it's, a, it's eluding us. I, I would rather not sing those because for the little moments we have in public worship, I want to grab a hold of why I've been grabbed a hold of and I wanna honor what Jesus has done in redemption, and I wanna articulate through praise and worship, you died on the cross for my sins, you were buried and you rose again, you sent your son, you sent the Holy Spirit, you, your shed blood covers my sin, you've given me authority over the, to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and you've given me the great commission to carry the gospel to the lost world. And that's really where it's at right now. God has energized us. One of the words for work is energeo, which is like energize, to be activated, to become efficient, and to be effectual. How many of you would like to be effective in life? It's the opposite of being amiss. And God sent the Holy Spirit to equip us and give us authority and give us power. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 we I want to work out what God's working in us first Corinthians chapter 12 we're gonna read verse 1 and down into 7 we'll skip some stuff for time but I want to just my my goal of this meeting is we're working on our belief system uh, we're working on our belief system and and while you're turning to this John six twenty-eight through 29 says therefore they said to him what shall we do so that we may work the works of God. What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Did you hear that? Do you know that after Jesus died on the cross and before he ascended, he was on the earth for 40 days. And in those 40 days, He had a problem with the 11 remaining disciples. They were loaded, jam-packed with unbelief. And you can read that in the Gospels. It's in in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, and uh, it's in John. And they, they were full of unbelief, and he was flipping the keys to them, but he had to stick around for 40 days. Imagine, he dies on the cross, it is finished, but he still has to stick around for over a month. See, not just with Thomas, not, but with all of them. Peter, you, they throw Thomas under the bus, doubting Thomas. They were all doubters. And I don't call Thomas doubting Thomas, because Thomas was just working through his process. And Jesus so readily ministered to him, I, in fact, am a disciple of Thomas. And here's why. Because when the guy talked to me about Jesus when I was hitchhiking, And I told him, I think there are many paths to God. He said, I used to think that too. In the pluralistic, you know, many paths to God is a big concept that people have walked in for 2,000 years. That's part of the lie of the devil because they don't like exclusivity because it feels narrow-minded, but Jesus said it's it's a narrow path. So it's like, we're not off the hook with that. It's an exclusive thing. And Jesus died. He's the only one with the capacity to set people free. Some of these philosophies are brilliant. Some of these ideas and ideals are, are, are truthful, but Jesus is the truth. In fact, I told this guy, I thought there are many paths to God. He said, I used to think that too. But Jesus said, and this was an answer to Thomas's question, show us the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the father, but through him. Boom, that's why you will never hear me diss him and call him Doubting Thomas. I'm an equal opportunity disser, so I'm gonna tell you all 11 were doubters. But not to disparage them, because in fact, we're all working out our salvation with fear and trembling, and if the truth be told, we all need to work on our belief system. And the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll whisper lies to you, questioning your salvation, he'll try to get you depressed, he'll try to get you off into some cult, cultic thing. It'll try to get you off into vain philosophy or get you dismissive. You know, I've been watching this Hollywood person that went there with a desire to lift up Jesus and he got clipped at the knees. Now he says, I go between agnostic and atheist. And so now he's landed on atheism and I know his parents are praying for him and in Jesus name by the time he gets time, you know, he gets on track. Whenever the time is, I believe in God he does before he dies, right? So this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Jesus told Mary and Martha at the tomb of Lazarus, did I not tell you that if you believe you'll see the glory of God? So, you know, I love confessing, I'm a believer and not a doubter. And I love the minister that said, let's feed our faith and starve our doubts to death. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the Holy Spirit and his empowerment. And he says, now concerning spiritual gifts, Uh, it could be translated, now concerning things to and pertaining, things to of and pertaining to the, the Holy Spirit. So now concerning things pertaining to and of the Holy Spirit, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. The King James says, I do not want you to be ignorant. The root word for ignorant is to ignore. The opposite of ignore is to pay attention to. So he's saying politely, Guys, I want you to really focus on these and become proficient in flowing in the Holy Spirit, coveting earnestly and desiring the gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. I got a great letter from a dear brother in the back row. Uh, When he came here, he was told in in his church culture that all these gifts had ceased. Well, then he came and had an encounter here at St. Louis Family Church, he learned Uh, I don't believe those gifts ceased. I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, so we are to pursue love, but also desire earnestly spiritual gifts. It says this actually twice in chapter 12, once in chapter 12 and once in chapter 14. Earnestly desire the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? They're the ones we need in certain moments. If somebody's sick, we need the gifts of healing. If, if somebody's dying, we need the working of miracles, or the gift of faith. If somebody's confused, we need the word of wisdom. If, if somebody's oblivious, we need the word of knowledge. If we don't know what's going on, we need interpretation to tongues. If we, if we don't know what's up ahead, we need prophecy. So the, these are essential, dynamic provisions. And he says, uh, when, you know, when you were pagans, he's talking to the Corinthians, you were led astray to the mute idols However you were led, it was just a a languishing life of emptiness and of of dullness and of deadness. And so then he said, he talked about varieties of verse four. It says, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works. There's that word works. All things in all persons. God is at work in you, it says in Philippians 2.13, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we're to work out what God's working on the inside of us. And this, see, this will spare you a lot of conflict and a lot of upset and a lot of consternation. Don't run from God, don't run from your calling. Don't, don't try to embrace somebody else's opinion about who you are either. Uh, I, I'm telling you, the, the clearing house is the head of the church himself. And as you go to him and rally with him personally, he'll give you your detailed marching orders and you will end up having a unique, precious, vital existence. And it's good. And it's the proper, according to the proper working of each individual part. How do you spell ministry? W-O-R-K. It is hard work. But it could also be smart work. And better yet, it could be, Spirit, Holy Spirit inspired work. When he told King Saul, when he was doing right, Samuel prophesied to him in 1 Samuel 10. He says, when uh, these, these things come upon you, do for yourself what the occasion requires, because God is with you. And, he's, and, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and the Bible says he was changed into another man or into another person. And I'm telling you, there are occasions the Holy Spirit will pour out on you uh, the anointing of God will come upon you for service that will be beyond you. Yeah. I had a friend who was very proficient on the piano and he's made his living from music. And he said, I know when the anointing hits me, it's when I reach the end of myself and my skills and it, I go into another level. Yeah. I've heard preachers preach this. I feel my help coming. Yeah. When when uh, when Sturgeon, Spurgeon, I'm sorry, George, uh, uh, What's his first name? Charles Spurgeon, Baptist pastor from uh, England. He would preach and there was a boiler room underneath the platform. And there was a a group of prayer people praying him through in his meetings and his preaching. And he had a wooden floor and they, he would stomp his foot because he needed prayer. And the people under there would take the cue and they'd lift him up. And what do you pray? You pray a door, of utterance, you pray for a preacher, you pray that a door would be open for the word. What does a preacher pray for the church body? That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you'd approve the things that are excellent, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will come upon you in your daily life, that your household will be filled with peace, that God will give you supernatural understanding beyond your own human existence, that'll take you into dimensions and help you not to be flaky, spooky, goofy, or weird, I'm telling you, the anointing does the exact opposite of that. He makes you supernaturally natural and naturally supernatural and divinely normal. And I, I take issue with flakiness and, and 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 that kind of thing because that there's not there's no time for that right now. We need to share Jesus effectively in a non-threatening way. We need to learn to carry ourselves in the this culture we're in and understand. And if if businesses are doing Ergonomics, like where's a, there's actually a branch of engineering science where people get PhDs in the bio, biological science used to study the relation between workers and their environment. Jesus has deep plans for the workers of the kingdom in their environment. And that ergonomic thing, that anointing of the Holy Spirit is something that we're not to ignore, be unaware of, but to covet and desire earnestly. Realizing there are varieties of ministries, varieties of effects, and and yet it says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for what? For the common good. Not so you'll be a big shot in the church because you're so insecure, and you've been through so much hurt in your life that you're gonna prove yourself uh, over and over again in a church atmosphere, no. No, it, the anointing comes on you for the common good. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. The, the Jesus centered, God shaped strategy is absolutely beautiful. And when we understand this, that uh, each person has a job. And, and again, one of my core life message points as a pastor of this church is Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 16, let's go there. Ephesians chapter four, so we're close to it in 1 Corinthians. Just keep flipping and, and you'll get over there to Ephesians chapter four. And the reason there are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You wanna know why I brought Reinhard Bonnke here so many times? He was an effective evangelist and he was an equipping evangelist. And he came in to download for a decade plus in this church i mean i don't think you I don't think you guys realized what we had there, and uh he was an equipper. and he he did he saw God's hand and strategy uh in this this situation and saw that there was something uh, of a destiny. Did you know you have a destiny? Yeah. Did you know God's hand is on your life? that's why you you've been so uh attacked you realize how we've been, just been through a two-year global crisis, and yet we're still here. Yeah. Why, why, why? Look, why are we still here? By the grace of God. Some of you've been through things way before a global crisis, and the the profound things, and having done all to stand. I mean, some of you have testimonies that are so rich. Their uh, their life over uh, their are life overcoming, their life altering. If you sh- if you shared one. Thimbleful of some of the experience you've had in, the, in terms of the grace of God, it, it would be enough to set captives free. I'm the product of a thimbleful of testimony from a couple of people. I'm the product of being in a church environment for a few weeks and being in praise and worship, seeing the culture of the church healthy, people genuinely caring for one another, different ages, different ethnicities, no big deal, both genders, and getting along and the atmosphere where when the pastor ministered, it wasn't just somebody droning along in monotone uh, theology, but it was life. It was like, wow, what, that, that fed my spirit. That, that made sense. And so, you know, it says that these apostles, prophets, evangelists, verse 11, pastors and teachers are for what? Verse 12, for the equipping, Ephesians 4, 12, the equipping of the saints, for the work of service. See, I'm, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna hold any punches. The greatest in the kingdom of God is a servant. Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. Look, I got married and I read in Romans that we're to outdo one another in showing honor. I intend to honor my wife. We husbands are to treat our wives as uh, and acknowledge and realize they're a weaker vessel. Uh, not in a demeaning or belittling way, because in another sense there's neither male nor female. We're all one in Christ. But yet, in terms of the physicality, in terms of the monthly cycle and emotions and hormones, there's a weakening that happens with your estrogen level that drops that men don't even have a clue on, and we should never touch, we should never imply, we should never talk about it. We should—we have absolutely zero responsibility or wisdom to say anything about it. But we. But we do, it would behoove us husbands, to be considerate and treat our wives as fellow heirs of the grace of life. Did I just say all that on live stream? A little controversy there, but I I don't mean to be controversial. I'm just trying to be biblically on track. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. And, and, And so we do that. And as we endeavor to do that, then our prayers aren't hindered. And then there's a flow. This is the thing I think God wants for church. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Not how sophisticated your two week vacation Bible school program is, not how amazing your sound system is, not how fantastic the lighting is, not how high quality and low temperature the air conditioning is where your elbows are frozen and you have to bring a jacket in August, which I think is amazing. That's part of our doctrinal distinctive of St. Louis Family Church and I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Uh, David Letterman said that he likes to keep the temperature low in the, in the uh, Ed Sullivan Theater because he wanted to keep the comedy fresh. I thought that was wise. And it was freezing in there. It was like 45 degrees. It was awesome. And, uh, <clears throat> but what it is, by this show all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another, that you have love for one another, that you have love for one another. And love is value. Love doesn't take into account a, a wrong suffered. Love doesn't carry a grudge, doesn't have a chip on its shoulder, as not walking in chronic resentment. Love is patient. It's kind. Love prefers, it covers a multitude of sins. I tell you, we'll have a revival if we just walk in love. We'll have a harvest if we just walk in love. You'll enter into abundance and prosperity if you just walk in love loving God loving your neighbor loving yourself not a narcissistic self uh, egotistical thing but value hey God loves me and i I'm, I'm not going to be self deprecating and be falsely humble and I'm also not I'm, I'm also going to crucify my pride Pride we know is bad Christians know pride is bad but did you know the close cousin to it is uh False humility and insecurity. Oh, I'm nothing. Oh, I'm not. No, when the Bible says you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you're the head and not the tail. You're above only and not beneath. And it's not said so we'd fuel a bunch of egotism. What it says is, look, get a correct understanding of redemption and what's happened in your life. You're a new creature in Christ. The old thing's passed away. New things have come. Now get on with it. You're a carrier of the presence of God. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, God's given it to you. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. He said, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you, he told Joshua, and for that matter, he's with us. He was with the apostles when they were 11 whining guys, full of doubt and unbelief, Jesus said so. And because in Mark six, when he went into his own town, and they got in the sin of familiarity, and they, he marveled at their unbelief. So what did he do? He taught in the villages, because it was putting a kibosh on the flow. And we just got to make sure we get rid of anything and everything that will hinder the anointing. That's why we got to be quick to repent. There's some loud clapping over there. Quick to repent. Quick to, quick. and I love what one pastor said, God loves people who repent of little things. And it's not like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, where you, you're, you're on repeat and you're so down. and you're, you, Because I believe um, over-confessing sin weakens your spirit. But not confessing your sin is trouble on a higher level. 1 John 1.9 says that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But really, the main confession of our lives should be the confession of our faith. Not, that doesn't make confessing our sin backseat. It just means in priority, we should be confessing who God is, how big our Jesus is. We should be confessing who we are in Christ. We should be saying, "I have been God made me in His image. He called me out of darkness. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm a, and look." And I, look If you think you're cuter and prettier and smarter than anybody else, you humble yourself and say, I'm nothing without you, Jesus. But if you're being depleted and demeaned by the accuser of the brethren that accuses you before God day and night, you boldly throw back your shoulders, put your head up, take your stand on the word of God, say, I am what I am by the grace of God, and his grace has not proved vain. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can abase, I can abound. See, this is the thing about a church like this. We could go through full court press sessions and not get elated like we're such big shots or like we're so full of self-importance, and we could go through silent seasons of, of preparation, of rest, because we don't, uh, we don't uh, uh, confuse activity with achievement. God, the, 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 the head of the church, the Lord of the harvest, has big plans for this end time group of people. And in Ephesians, they were so rambunctious about it, the equipping of the saints for the work of service, uh, for the building up of the body of Christ. You know, I've always wanted to build up the body of Christ. For example, I dropped my wife off on my day off and I ran into a a vintage store. I love to, uh, I love to, uh, do that treasure hunting in vintage stores. It's fun for me. And it's, it's therapeutic, and I like, and, and the, the people say, wow, well, you always pick the cool stuff. So it makes me feel good about myself, like I have <laughs> a taste and all that. So, uh, and I ran into a guy, this guy got out of the car. Hey, man, and he's a pastor down the street. Well, I knew about him, and i have been praying for him, and I said, man, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing. Well, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Come look at my office, we just re- remodeled it. So, you know, he doesn't have anybody to celebrate this with. So uh, on my day off and on his day off, so he takes me into his office, I meet the receptionist and he shows me the office and it looks really edgy and cool and, and, I, and I get his vision and I, you know, and, and, and I just, in that moment, we're colleagues, we're not competitors. Some of the guys, some situations are, and it's really difficult to pastor that and get around that, but when they are not, it's really a pleasure to be able to say, man, I want to see the whole body of Christ built up. Yeah. Usually people go, you need to be more kingdom minded. In other words, weigh in on my, my vision and drop everything and accommodate my thing. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm hoeing my own row. I'm plowing my field. Uh, you know, I'm going to put my hand to what God's called me to. I love you. God bless you. Amen in Jesus' name. So, but with this other guy, I just, I pray for him. Yeah. I lift him up in prayer. His success is important to me. And I, in fact, believe God that all the God-ordained, Jesus-centered, Bible-based churches that God's raised up—I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm I'm in full, hundred percent. Uh, support on. The other stuff, I, I, it'll come and go, and I pray I bind collateral damage. I pray people don't drift off into backsliding and all the outcome that happens when the flesh tries to produce fleshly things. That's a whole other deal. I don't have any time for it. It's been a drain. But the real thing is something to celebrate. The proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body and the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Remember when Paul said in First Corinthians, when I was a child, I acted like a child, reasoned as a child, spoke as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. As a result, we are no longer to be big, fat, honking, whiny babies. <laughs> Tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, You know, look, all the stuff on the internet, all the stuff on TV, you just get your discerner out. And no matter who says it on what platform, if it doesn't bear witness, turn the channel. Do what I do with my wife, binge watch Hallmark. I could tell you every episode, they're all based out of cupcake shops. They all broke up with her and they reunited with their high school sweetheart. And they're going to kiss at the end, one time. (laughs) It's going to be, I can tell you, I know all those stories. And they last four hours each. And I don't understand why they last so long, since I already know the formula. But let's not be tossed to and fro by cultic stuff, by doctrines of demons, by the trickery of men, by all this garbage. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects in him who is the head, even Christ. Everybody say grow up. I'm on a growth potential. This church is on a growth potential. I, you know, I, I feel like I'm learning. I'm a life learner. I, I intend to finish strong and finish with joy. I want to run my race with endurance for my local church. I want to see the purposes of God come to pass in this environment. So I finish with Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah is back there. If you, you go back past Psalms, and uh, Nehemiah chapter four, is it's I think just before Job, and Nehemiah and chapter four is in on page seven oh one in my New American Standard nineteen ninety five updated Foundation Press Bible. If that helped you any, you're welcome. <laughs> Nehemiah, you you should Google some photos of Jerusalem, because it's the walled city. It is, in my view, the epicenter of everything geographically on this planet. It's the epicenter. Jesus walked there, Jesus is gonna land on the Mount of Olives, and he's gonna walk through the gate, and he's he's gonna build up a king, he's gonna establish a kingdom. Though it's a little tiny, sliver of land in terms of geography on the, the, the corner of the, of the Mediterranean surrounded by giant land masses, this little bitty little sliver of land has so much spiritual importance. And uh, it's vital that we understand when Nehemiah was called to rebuild walls, he was a reformer. There had been 400 and some years of Babylonian oppression and uh, the morale was so depleted that it, the, the big, big giant uh, limestone and sandstone walls that had toppled were nothing compared to the diminishment of confidence in the people. Their morale was at a very low ebb and God anointed and inspired Nehemiah to be a builder. You could read the whole book, it's pretty quick. It's an amazing history yeah. book about the faithfulness of God where he fasted and prayed sought the Lord and God gave him strategy as a cupbearer for a king. He went up to the king and the king said, Ben, you go do what you need to do. And he gave him basically a passport to get through all the ports of entry because the the borderlands were really tight. They didn't have open borders, they were very tight. And you couldn't pass from one uh, territory to another, but except that he had a pass from the king, he had favor. And God also gave him all the lumber and all the manpower. And there are descriptions in chapters that go down the list of names that none of us can pronounce unless we are fluent in Hebrew, but they're yet nonetheless super important because it shows and underscores the value of each individual. The value of each individual God values and esteems each one of us and you better be wary of any ideology that diminishes that that would be the devil that's the that's devilish to diminish the value of the individual Uh, the only way uh, communally we can survive is if we all as individuals do our part not just blend in together and go into mediocrity and just mouth breathe and expect everybody else to do something else and get into a, 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 a numb, dull, blunted state. That's what Satan wants to do is downplay our value. Jesus, however, came and he has value on each individual. He said, I'll pour up my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions upon my handmaidens And my bond servants so he specifies the two genders and says I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out this thing and man before it's all over when I return I'll find faith on the earth I'm looking for a church that is uh, working the body of Christ working and um, and then as we as we see this you look at this chapter and I don't have time to go into it because I only have seven more minutes till 9 I want to try to finish Be sensitive to your time. But this is the Old Testament illustration of all that I just preached to you. What am I talking about? The miracle of good works. What have I acknowledged? That we're His workmanship. We're created in Christ for good works. It's according to the proper working of each individual part. There comes an hour when no man can work. So we put our hand to the plow. We get a work ethic. Really get after it. You're raising kids. Man, raise them up with a whole heart. Man, be be all in as a mom or a dad. Like a lot of what we see now, the 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 these some kind. I read about um, what what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? The 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 lack of empathy. Oh, yeah. What's happening? There's a phenomenon that when parents are are so drunk or stoned on. On, on opiates, that, that when the kid is in, their, in, the, in the early stages, and they're weeping, and they have a dirty diaper, and they're getting diaper rash, and nobody responds to them, it imprints on the individual that they'll never get comfort, that nobody cares, and they go and launch into uh, adult life with absolutely no empathy. And they're, they're zombified, they don't have the same sensory give and take of, man, if you cry people respond to it and there are people that care and there's love and there's, there's empathy and there's the, the, that lack of empathy. I've seen this in people in different stages and different degrees. We just saw a manifestation of it just a few days ago. Somebody becomes robotic. And if you study it, the background somewhere, something broke, something broke. So in the church, even if something broke for you, you come into Jesus, He is responsive. He does hear your cry. In fact, he stores up your tears in bowls in heaven. He's near the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And man, really the love walk is empathy um, uh, personified. God's actually called us. So like with Nehemiah, he had passion to rebuild these walls and the haters, Sanballat, Tobiah and Geshem mocked them, belittled the workers, tried to uh, stop them from working this this they they represent Satan they represent demonic people a lot of demonic people that are that hate builders but yet God's called us to work the devil hates it that we're willing to pray and do the hard work of prayer that we're willing to get up and press in on a, a holiday weekend and go to church and worship God and give and, and give our time you know the 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 calling on our lives in this local church is is about ready to be reloaded, reclarified, repositioned in a new series of steps. And it's all hands on deck. Everybody's needed. No, I'm not gonna, I'm wary of people who want titles and positions. I've seen people come. They attached to me thinking, you're gonna acknowledge how great I am. You're gonna put me in a role. I didn't bear witness to it. They were in pride, they were, they were rebellious, they were whiny. They came and went unhappy. They liked me as long as they had opportunity. They didn't like me when I didn't uh, uh, confer all these titles and positions on them. Uh, that's not really my job. I'm equipping the saints for work, the work of service. We're all responsible to figure out what God's called us to do, and we're to do our work heartily unto the Lord and not to men. And Paul said, Whether I'm there or absent or with you, you've been faithful to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Because God is at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Boy, I have said some controversial things tonight. I talked about PMS. I I talked about some, but I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Verse 6, chapter 4. He says in verse six, chapter four, it says, here's what they did and here's what we'll do from a two year global crisis. Here's what we're gonna do in 2022 through the spring and summer, how we're gonna, we're believing for a magnetic juncture of of divine happenings. And he said, here's how they dealt with their enemies, their haters, they prayed a lot. And they said in verse six, so we built the wall and the whole wall was joined together to half its height, look at this, for the people had a mind to work. Wow, did you hear that? When the flood of 93 hit, all hands on deck. Our church went from being a teaching environment, praise and worship and prayer, to now in addition to that, this is how I want you to love your neighbors. Go, go put on work boots and get out there and clean up their buildings, clean up their houses, get them back on their feet, rebuild their walls, clean up the environment, get them back in business quickly. There are 5,000 jobs that are lost. Get their businesses going again, help them out, get them helped quickly, get them the morale built back up. Hurry, do it quick, do it now, do it long. And uh, we did, and it had a good result. Sports team came along, and there were a lot of soul-winning aspirations in the young men. There was a synergy amongst the members and the players. There was a God-shaped touch for a moment, and an evangelistic platform opened up for the gospel to be proclaimed. That's as I see it. That's how I see it. And that's what happened. We printed six million gospel tracts and gave them out. We gave them. Baptist pastors would come in and get whole cases of them. I gave some to Ernie Conwell's family, and uh, the, the box probably weighed 45, 50 pounds of concentrated, heavy cardstock paper. Like a cube, it was like a big, heavy, and I handed it to the, Ernie Conwell's brother, and he turned around and handed it to his sister who was a, a, a collegiate shop, uh, shot put champion. And they knew who was really the strong person in the family. It was the, it was the girl. And Proverbs 31 says a virtuous woman makes her arms strong. Sister, get out sisters, get out your guns, show off your arms. Makes your arms strong. Brothers, lift up your hands. I would that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Let's all stand up on our feet. There comes an hour when no man can work. So we must work while it's day, while it's while it's light. So let's pray together. Father, show us. We know from the scriptures that this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. Number one, work. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Get saved. Receive Jesus. When you receive Jesus, you become a brand new person. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's what the Bible says. I'm not making it up. I'm not making it light, because He died for sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You, I, we, all have sinned and there's no salvation in anyone except Jesus. No matter how philosophical you are, no matter how pluralistic you are, makes no difference. Jesus is the only one that died on the cross, was buried, rose from the grave, and died for sinners, that whoever will call on his name, Jesus, will be saved. So number one, your work is to believe. I'm a believer and not a doubter. In fact, let's say this together. I believe God sent his son Jesus, die on the cross for my sins I receive what he has done wholeheartedly and I surrender all to him Lord Jesus guide me for the remainder of my days reveal your purposes your will the work I'm to do teach me to pray teach me to crucify my flesh Teach me to walk in love and build my faith. I trust you, Lord, for signs, wonders, and miracles. Deploy me into the right atmosphere. Order my steps. Keep me out of a ditch. Get me on track. Deliver me from a case of stupid. Give me a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help me to think, act, Decide, plan, and speak in line with your word. By the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. God bless you guys. Hallelujah.